it was towards the end of this time period that these Israelites looked around and saw that all the nations around them had kings who represented them in battle, protected them from other nations in war, and really was their head almost looked upon like a god. And so the Jewish people or the Israelites demanded a king. And God said, I am your king. Am I not enough? And they said, no, we want an earthly king to represent us so that we become and looked upon like any of the other nations around. And so God said, all right, you can have a king, but keep in mind that you will wish you hadn't by the end of this time period. And therefore, Saul, not St. Paul, but Saul, was the anointed, uh, anointed as the first king of the Israelites. He started out very well, but ended up poorly. And God was not pleased with him. And you'll see that in all of these next, this one and the next three, all of them start out by God's help and in God's good graces and end up in disgrace. Every single one of these time periods, with the exception of the first, even though they end up in hardship, uh, it wasn't so much a disgrace brought about, brought about by themselves. But nevertheless, uh, it was disgrace that this second time period ends with the election of Saul. David came along right after that, but David really is part of, and primarily a major part of the third time period, which again starts out well. David and Solomon entered into and brought in what is called the golden age of Judaism, but it lasted no more than 80 years. All right. I want to stop here and talk about something that is important to all of these time periods. You've probably heard the word covenant, but do you really understand what it means? We don't hear much about covenants today, and yet we have contracts, constitutions, and all other forms of written legalities of every imaginable kind. In fact, right now, our society is embroiled in the big mortgage scandal, which, in a way, is a covenant. It is an agreement by two or more parties where each will do something for the benefit of the other. God made such a covenant with Abraham. Abraham, as I said, was quite elderly before he had any children. In this culture, it was a disgrace 
to a family if there were no children, particularly male children. And so the covenant with Abraham that God made was, I will give you many descendants, as numerous as the stars in the sky, or the sand on the seashore. I will give you land. These were nomadic people. Nomads who traveled from pasture to pasture to feed their animals because that was the source of their livelihood. Alright? And I will give you protection. Protection in this sense really referred to eternal life, but it was never stated that way because these people in this culture would never have understood what eternal life was all about because you have to build up to that. All right? So, the covenant that God made, beginning with Abraham, intended for all of the Jewish people, started out with descendants, land, which became the promised land. Remember, it's not promised land, but promised land. And God's protection. I will be your God, and you will be my people. All right? That was renewed all down the line with all the leaders of the Israelite people or eventually the Jewish people. But time and time and again, the Jewish people turned away from God and rejected his requirements, which were to be faithful to him. And you see what the covenant was really all about was the whole idea of establishing this plan of salvation, which eventually, eventually points to the whole idea of Jesus Christ. Remember, God has only one need, and that is what? Love. God has only one need, and that is to love. Why? We always say, well, God is so perfect, he has no needs. That's not quite true. God has one need, and that that is to love. All right? Because love cannot be bottled up. Love needs to be shared. All right? And you need to have somebody to share it with. And so God created mankind knowing even that mankind was going to eventually sin and sin seriously. And God, being perfect, could not accept sinful mankind back into a paradise-like heaven. And therefore, God had to have a plan to correct this problem. And that plan, of course, was... Jesus Christ, who was God himself, coming to earth and sacrificing himself as the Lamb of God, you might say, uh, for the uh, the, um, salvation of all mankind. But that plan had to take time and a lot of effort 
And so it started out, as I said, uh, with Abraham. It was renewed with Moses. It was renewed again with King David. But time and time again, the people rejected that. And it's important that you remember that because a covenant might be related to a marriage where two people commit themselves to each other for the benefit of both and each one has their own responsibilities. And that is why the covenant with God throughout the Old Testament is often referred to as the heavenly marriage or a marriage in some way or a wedding banquet uh, or some form of reference to marriage or a wedding ceremony. All right. <clears throat> the other thing that I want you to keep in mind because it's important to understand, particularly when we get, in, get into the writings of the Old Testament, is they didn't start out to be scripture. They didn't start out to be holy or sacred scripture. They started out as histories. As I said, it was probably Solomon, maybe David, but more likely Solomon, who encouraged the writing down of the Jewish histories. Because all of the nations surrounding them had libraries of their histories. It was important because it was a way of maintaining identity. And so histories were written uh, extensively by most of the surrounding uh, nations. But the Jews had not done that up till this point in time. They had handed down everything verbally. Well, as you know, a lot of things get lost in translation when it's handed down verbally, or people color it or uh, embellish on it or adjust it in some way or other. So they were encouraged to start writing these histories down. Well, as I said earlier, when they couldn't remember what happened between this event and that event, they made up what probably happened. And you have a number of people, different people, writing down these histories. Over a period of time, those histories were brought together. Uh, I'm sort of giving you a fast track on this. They were brought together and you might say uh, made into what we have now. Loosely. Okay, loosely speaking. That's why in many cases you have somewhat duplicating events. Or you have events that sound like somebody else had already done such a thing. There's a lot of those. Uh, that's why you have two different kinds of stories about Christ's birth. One in the Gospel of Matthew and another one in the Gospel of Luke. 
But in the Old Testament, you have many more of those, all right? Eventually, they were brought together. But you have to kind of keep in mind that it was over a period of, again, 500 years, and this is primarily in the third period of time, that most most of this happened. (coughs) Excuse me. So we won't get into the details of that uh, until next week. But I think I've fed you enough uh, details of what this class is going to be about. It is not going to be dull, I guarantee you. Um, Or at least I hope it isn't. I haven't seen anybody quite nodding off yet. Uh, but if you do, please don't snarl. All right. Now, let's turn it over to you. Do you have any questions? We've gone up just through the first two time periods. We will continue the next two next week. Yes? Good point. Yes. Actually, like in most of the Romance languages, the number two comes out duo, okay, due. This actually means the second telling. Or in some cases, some people translate it as the second law, the second time around, you might say, because that's really what it is. As we get in more into the details of Deuteronomy, you will find that the writers in around the year 800 B.C. brought together the original sayings of Moses along with all of the other writings and the laws and the rules and regulations that had developed between the time of Moses or, or yeah, between the time of Moses and this time period here. Okay, so we're talking around 700 years, roughly. Brought together all of those, put them into this book to try to warn the people down the road that they were on a slippery slope to damnation because of the idolatry and the apostasy that they were headed towards. Okay. Good question, though. Second telling. Yes, you mentioned earlier about the 12 tribes of Israel. Yes. What happened to The 12 tribes of Israel. All right. As they increased and multiplied, they tried to stay together as a unit. Obviously, this got rather unwieldy. Okay. <laughs> when they came back to the promised land, under the leadership of Joshua and Caleb, God told him that each one of these clans, with one exception, were to, well, there's two or three exceptions, were to have a specific location within the promised land in order to stay as a unit. In fact, they were even forbid to be, to marry outside of their own unit or their tribe, etc. The laws were rather strict. Okay. Well, that didn't last after the Babylonian captivity in 587. That sort of disappeared. Actually disappeared in the north even before that. Um, in a way, yes. 
in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other? Yes, Frank. Frank, rather. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. Uh, Frank is bringing up the the point that when God promised Abraham that he would give him a son with his wife, Sarah. Abraham couldn't uh, wait because he was getting pretty old. So he took matters into his own hands and had a son with uh, uh, Sarah's slave woman, Hagar. Now, that was permitted in the old laws. Okay? But God said that Ishmael, the name of this child under Hagar, was not accepted and was eventually banished because Abraham took matters into his own hands, you might say. Okay. Now, as Frank pointed out, the legend goes that Ishmael was banished to North Africa and became the father of all Arabs. And the Arab people still accepted Abraham as their original father. And that is why the Arabs and the Jews have been ever since. Okay? Now, whether that is exactly true or not, uh, by this time, makes no difference because that is what they believe. Okay? Uh, and you'll find that as families, uh, they are probably their own worst enemy because they are both fighting over the same plot of land. They feel because it was the custom <coughs> that the firstborn son would inherit everything from the father. And he would then in turn take care of any subsequent siblings. But he would always be the patriarch. Well, because Ishmael was born first, the Arab people feel that they have a right to the promised land. And of course, uh, according to our faith, as well as the Jewish faith, God did not accept that and made Isaac the sole heir of all of Abraham's belongings, including the promised land. And from Isaac was born Jacob, etc. Okay? That answer your question? Okay. Now, again, there is no way to prove or disprove uh, Ishmael's past or life after you know that time period so we have no way to prove it but that is what their beliefs are and they're so strong that you're not no one's going to change it today. Any other questions? Vic? The, the Bible was Written, started to be written around a thousand and down into Deuteronomy and so forth. How did the Dead Sea Scrolls tie into 
Uh, from about 200 BC. So they were very late that it had all the other stuff in it. Yes. About the time that uh, the Greek version came out. Yes, yes. Uh, maybe even a little later. Yeah. The Dead Sea Scrolls, very interesting documents. They do not have any reference to Jesus Christ because most of them were pre- Christ period, all right? But they were developed by a group of Jewish people who uh, broke away from the temple rulers. Uh, They were called Essenes, E-S-S-E-N-E-S. They migrated out to uh, the Dead Sea area and set up their own commune out there. They had extensive libraries, uh, began because of the need for their history. They also had extensive copies of the Old Testament. Uh, the book of Isaiah uh, was one of their main books. And there were many others that weren't uh, relative to uh, their faith or religion, but to their customs and traditions and other manners of, of uh, organization. Uh, the Museum in Jerusalem today, called the Museum of the Book, houses uh, a good portion of the Dead Sea Scrolls. But anybody that's interested, I do have a a collection or a copy of a book that purports to be all of the Dead Sea Scrolls that have been translated into English. Okay. And it's very interesting, but those came along in about the second century uh, B.C. And they existed till about the first, the end of the first century A.D. The Bible was they added a little bit when they did the Greek version because we got the Czech. When was the Bible complete? Not until, <clears throat> not until around the end of the fifth century B.C. Sixth. Fifth. fifth. Yes, after the Babylonian exile ended. Then the Bible was brought together pretty much as it is today, with the exception of those six books that were added in the second century. All right. And there were a few others added in between because many of the, uh, for example, the book of Psalms, uh, even though the Psalms date way back before they were brought together in a book, they were not added to the book until, um, Somewhere between the fourth and the second century. Okay. Uh, good enough. I was going to say, I remember going to the first son, but didn't Jacob kind of pose his brother out of the inheritance? Yes. Yes. And his daughter evidently approved of that. Well, he approved of it, yes, because Esau sold his birthright. What Duff is bringing up here is that Jacob had two sons. No, Isaac had two sons, not Jacob. Isaac had two sons, uh, Jacob and Esau. Esau, they were twins, except that, that's an interesting story, but you don't have to, you know, it's not gospel, so to speak. Uh, they were twins, but Esau was born first. So, you know, even in that case, 
you put a ribbon around his leg or whatever that comes out first, and he's the firstborn son. Because the firstborn son in all of Jewish history, right from the time of Abraham, was very important. It's a tribal custom that even dates prior to Abraham. Um, so, technically, Esau had all the birthright um, glories and, and so forth and so on. Uh, and Jacob had to take the back seat. But at one point in time, um, Jacob is making dinner for himself, and Esau wanted it because he was starving, and he made the silly remark, well, I'll even <clears throat> sell my birthright for uh, a good plate of your soup, or whatever it was. And uh, Rachel, the mother, uh, sort of instigated all of this and uh, said, uh, Jacob, go ahead, do it, do it. <laughs> but God disapproved of all of that and therefore accepted Jacob as the recognized uh, major son. You see, a lot of these are legends and stories that have been embedded into the Bible more or less to round out a lot of things that we had no way of knowing. Uh, and that is why the Bible is never been and should never be accepted as historically or scientifically accurate. The one thing that you should keep in mind, though, is in spite of the inaccuracies that are obviously there, the message is original from the Holy Spirit. It is very important that you recognize that the message of the Bible is from the Holy Spirit and not dreamed up by some writer. Any other questions? Well, as I said earlier, I want to end on time, and I think it's about there. So, let's end with a prayer. Now, again, your registration, if you will take it to the ladies in the back, they will give you the three-ring binder, and you give them your registration. All right? Let's end with a prayer. Checks made out, yes. If you're making out a check, please make it out to St. Clair Catholic Church. Or St. Clair Church. Whatever. Alright. Not to me, please. Only creates a problem. Alright. Let's end with a prayer. Lord, we've been filled with all kinds of details tonight. Help us to sort them out. Because regardless of what is said up here, what we really want is to hear what you have to say to us. Not only through scripture, but through our studies and our efforts. Help us then to open our minds and our hearts, particularly where we had some uh, fastly held beliefs that may or may not be correct. Give us the strength and the courage to open up and really understand what it is that you want us to understand. So we thank you for this time together. We thank you and we praise you in all things. In Jesus' name.